third week of a series called My Crazy Family, and we're talking about that, talking about family dynamics. Somebody said this this week, or, you're not talking about us, are you? <laughs> My crazy family. I'm like, no, kind of, not, not really. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about helping families. And you may look around and think, man, I don't think our, our family's that, that crazy. Like, I don't know who he's talking to. And if that's you, if you're, if you're looking around your family going, I don't know what he's talking about. You're the crazy one that we're all looking at. Like, you're the one that everybody in your family knows it's you. You're just the only one that doesn't know that it's you. And, and so for the past couple of weeks, we've been sort of trying to help families. And, and uh, the first week we said that there was a gap between what, what was God's ideal and what was what was real, that there was something in between that, that there's tension in between what God wants our families to be and kind of what's real in our families. And we said over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about real families and what it's really like. We're not going to filter sort of what we talk about in that. And some of you this last week, you realize there's a lot larger gap than you thought there was between what your family is and what God's ideal is. And then and then uh, we said uh, that there's a couple of things that the New Testament talks about that families ought to have. There's just If you kind of boil down all what the New Testament says, it says about four things. The first one is, husband, love your wives. All the wives say amen. Man, that's, you must be tired. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And then wives, submit to your husbands. All the husbands, keep your mouth closed. Don't say a word. We said it's not talking to you. Come on, if it was talking to you, it would have started with your name. But it starts with wives, and so it ain't talking to you. We talked about mutual submission last week and how the, the, the greatest question that you could possibly ask is, what can I do to help? Tell me what I can do to help you. How can I help make things better in your life and submitted to one another? Then we said, children obey your parents and fathers don't irritate your children. So today we're going to sort of look at the third one, and children obey your parents. And this is kind of the one that I wish I knew more about. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting as child dedication today, and we're going to talk about kind of what that is. And, you know, Thanksgiving, maybe you tra- how many of you traveled? Would you just raise your hand and say, we traveled a little bit? Yeah, I traveled a little bit for Thanksgiving. And, you know, all the stuff that's sort of laying in the undercurrent, it all comes out when you're in the car or when you're at the, the table. Am I like, like all the stuff that you wish that you just didn't get to talk about? The cool thing about, the cool thing about like Facebook and Instagram is we get to follow along on your trips. And, and I, if this week, if you did like me, you know, you're not, back in the day, we used to send mass texts. You know what I'm talking about? Your phone would blow up on holidays and it would be like Happy Thanksgiving with a turkey and Happy Thanksgiving. And it would be 50,000 of those. And now we just post it on, on Instagram. You post it on Facebook. And, and Brandy and I, you know, when you're on the road for 94 hours like, like we were, we, we got a lot of time. Not while I'm driving, of course. But, I mean, she would show me uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And it's so funny. You kind of see everybody's trip and everybody's Thanksgiving. and It's so funny because we all kind of line up and take the picture. You know what I mean? Everybody puts on their good clothes. And everybody's smiling. And everybody loves one another. And it looks all great. And you're looking at this Facebook. You're going, man. I don't know who these people are, but this ain't my family. And it's not, nothing like that exists in my family. You didn't see them yelling and screaming at each other and pulling hair and brothers and sisters fighting and babies pooing all over themselves and just just crazy stuff that happens in your family. But we sort of filter all of that, you know, with social media. Here's what you'll end up doing. You'll end up comparing what your life is to their highlight reel. You'll, you'll compare your script and what you're living to somebody else's highlight reel. Nobody ever puts, you know, out for the world to see, especially on social media, any of the real stuff. We always just sort of filter all that stuff. So we said over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do um, just the opposite. We're going to talk about 
uh, the real stuff in our lives. You know, the times like these, you sort of, everybody's looking for the good old days. You know, everybody's looking for the days when things were, were simpler and things kind of made more sense in our families. And we, one of the reasons I love the Bible is because it just, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of clean up uh, the way that families really are. And when you talk about going back to the good old days, we said in week one, you know, you got to be really careful about saying things like biblical marriage or biblical families. Because i got to be honest with you, there's some biblical families and biblical marriages that are jacked up. I'm talking about weird, some strange stuff. And I always thought it was interesting, the Bible doesn't clean all that stuff up. You know, it doesn't airbrush out all of the problems in, in families. It just kind of leaves it all in there so that when you read the Bible, you go... We're not as weird as, as I thought we were. We're not as different as, as I thought we were. Adam and Eve right out of the bat. You know, they, they had problems. They, they played the blame game and one was blaming the other. And, and, and then their kids, you know, they, they were trying to raise good kids. There was only two of them. Surely they could figure that out. And one killed the other one. The first murder uh, in human history was, was a family. It was brothers that killed one another. Then Noah in, in the Bible, the Bible says he was the most righteous man of his generation. Listen, he was the most righteous man of his generation, yet... He gets drunk and he gets naked in front of his kids. Has anybody ever seen that puppet show in Sunday school? Would you would you raise your hands? And say, no, nobody. We don't talk about that in Sunday school. But no, nobody does puppet show of Noah and his kids all drunk and naked and whatnot. Nobody nobody shows that. But the true. It's but the Bible doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't erase it. It doesn't take it out. You know. I, I always thought, man. Well, I didn't. The Bible clean that stuff up, and then. And then Lot, if, you, if you're a student of the Bible, you know, Lot, his home is surrounded by these people who uh, lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they want to divide these terrible... And so to protect his guests in his home, he offered to let these terrible men of Sodom have sex with his daughters. <laughs> That's like, don't not my house guests, here's my daughters. This is what Lot does. Like here, here's, here's, And if that wasn't bad enough, when this is all over with, his daughters get Lot drunk, and then he gets them pregnant. This is biblical family that y'all talking about. This is in your Bible. Nobody puts Lot on a Father's Day card. Nobody, nobody, nobody talks about Lot at Father's Day. And it's just messy. And it and just I, I'm gonna stop here because the truth of the matter, it's one part Sunday school, two parts Jerry Springer. In 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 the Bible, it doesn't clean up all that stuff. And he, and here's the reason why. It's because God is writing stories of hope inside of these families. And I think that sometimes we sort of look at our family and we go, man, I, I, why, is it, why doesn't God fix this? Why, why aren't things better in this? Why, why did, you know, was I born into this family? You may have looked around this last week and go, how did I get here? How am I related to you people? What, what happened? I know I'm adopted. I don't even look like none of y'all. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to be here. And, and, and the Bible doesn't clean up all that stuff because it wants you to look inside the Bible and go, we're kind of just like them. But God doesn't want all of our families to look the same. Listen, this series is not about your families looking like everybody else's family. This series is about God writing a story of grace inside of your own context. Whatever that is, for some of you that's blended families. For some of us that's families that, you know, single parent homes. Or some of us it's, it's two parents but it's a, you know, it's a divorce. And, and for some of us it's, you know, can't have kids or, or, or whatever, you know, reason, whatever happened. And, and things kind of went, or, or maybe you sort of had this ideal about what was going to happen in your life and it didn't happen that way. You know, cancer came and, and, and the terrible tragedy and things went 
went, things went south and things went wrong. Or, or maybe it was that car accident or that funeral or that divorce or, or that kid that got addicted that you didn't, you, nobody saw this coming. And now you look at your family and you think, man, what is wrong with us? And the truth is, God's not trying to make you like anybody else. But He is trying to write a story of grace and a story of hope. And He's trying to fix us. And that's what this whole series is all about. It's about looking inside of your families and going, how do we do this God's way? Just because there's a gap between what's real in my family and what God's ideal is doesn't mean I'm not going to lean into that tension and say, okay, God, let me lean into what you want for our families. Let me try to figure this out. And so that's what we've done for the last couple of weeks. We talked about that the first week. We talked about that in mutual submission last week. And this week we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about how to raise kids. Now, I hope this message applies to everybody in the room. If you've got kids, if you've got young kids, if you've got grown kids, if you're trying to have kids, if you say, I don't even want no kids right now, you wait till you marry her and she wants three kids. You're going to have kids if mama says y'all going to have kids. So everybody in the room can sort of, if you're a single parent, if it's a blended family, kind of whatever situation that you're in, I want you to sort of find uh, where we are. Because the truth of the matter is we all have one thing in common, and that's this. We all at some point are going to have to own our relationships. Say amen to that. We're going to have to own it. Now, we, we can't, you can, I guess, go to Oprah or Dr. Phil and try to blame everybody else, you know. You can try to blame your mama and your daddy and your people and how you were raised and, and the home. And, and, and I know that that's been hard, but at some point in your adult life, listen, you and I are going to have to take responsibility for our own families. We're going to have to take responsibility for our relationships. And if we raise kids that do the same things that we did as kids, we can't look at them and go, well, that's just how we were. No, no, no. I'm responsible for raising this child, this remarkable responsibility. I'm responsible for this marriage. You can't just look around and go, well, you know, my parents had a tough marriage and their parents had a tough marriage. So I guess this is just, no, no, no. I'm responsible to my spouse. I'm responsible for this relationship. i got to own what I'm going to do. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about, hopefully I'm going to help uh, some parents in the room. I hope to help me just studying and getting ready for today has helped me uh, a lot and, and to see what I'm doing. Matter of fact, the connect group that I'm leading this semester, that Brandon and I are leading this semester, is on parenting. It's helped me more than anybody else in the group. I know, I know that it has often, like this week, we've looked at each other and go, remember that thing we're supposed to be doing? And not, not like yelling at them and smacking them in the head. Let's do that other thing and see if that works. Because <laughs> yelling at them and smacking them in the head, that ain't working. Let's try this other thing. So uh, here's, here's what I want you to know going in. Let me be real honest with you really quick. Uh, I, I don't have all the answers. I, we're only five years into parenting. Don't ask me hard parenting questions. I don't know. Here's what I'm going to do. Listen close. I'm going to pour out of my cup everything that I have. Listen, but it's not going to be enough to fill up your cup. I'm going to pour out everything that I know, but it's not going to be enough to fill up all the gaps that you don't know. Because some of you got 15-year-olds, and I don't know what to do with them yet, okay? I need you to tell me what to do with my 15-year-old. I got a 2-year-old and a 5-year-old. I can kind of help you in that season. But I don't want you to look at me and think, man, uh, you know, he thinks he's got all. What, what is he talking about? Here's, the truth is, it's not going to be my opinion or your opinion anyway. We're just going to go to God's Word and see what God's Word says about what to do with our with, with our family. So I, I, we don't have all the answers, but Brandy and I do both come from, from good families and stable families. Both of our families are together and intact. We were raised in, in homes. Both of us were raised in, in church. Both of us uh, served in church as we were, as we were being raised. So 
Um, I, I just I want you to sort of know right at the front, I'm not pretending to have all the answers here. And I want to talk about the echo effect that you have in, in your children's life. How many of you ever stood at the edge of a canyon and kind of echoed out loud? You know, you, you said something really loud and you heard that big echo. Nothing more uh, illustrates that better than your kids. Have you ever looked at your kids and go, oh my gosh. He's doing that thing that you do. Have you ever looked at that? Like, like you look at your spouse, and, or, or like Brandy sometimes will look at my son and say, he's doing the exact same thing you do, like the way that you sit. Have you ever seen that? Anybody else? Anybody but me? You've seen that? In, have you ever looked at your kids and go, oh my gosh, they're doing that thing. <laughs> like the, the, the thing that you wish they didn't do that you do. Not the thing that's cute like their mama. The thing that you're like, oh boy, it looks like they're doing that thing that we do. <laughs> you know, where, where it looks like they're, they're kind of acting. Here's the truth, whether it's good or bad, you're, there's nothing more echoing than your kids. There's nothing more that illustrates that echo in your life. And, and there's some stuff that's really cool to see in your kids. And you're like, oh, look, that's just like me. And then there's other stuff you're like, oh, look, that's just like me. <laughs> Please don't be just like me. Me, the truth is that they're echoing what they see. You know, it's an old saying, but it's true that more is caught in your home than is taught in your home. Say amen to that. There's a lot more that they do that they see than what they hear. And our children are watching everything that happens in our home. I told you we have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and our five-year-old is, she's got ears. She can probably hear me right now over in that gymnasium. She can hear everything. We don't think she's listening. We were on this road trip. She was watching, uh, 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 you know, a DVD, because that's what we do on a road trip. She was watching her, her DVD player, and she was singing, and we were talking. So she's watching and singing, and we don't think she's listening. And, and in the middle of the conversation, she says, hey, are y'all talking about that thing with the thing? And she, exactly where we were. She, they're watching everything. They're listening to everything. And we're like, we, we're going to have to learn Spanish or something. Like, I don't know. We're going to have to do something so that, so that we can talk. And she can't. Oscar, I need you to teach me Spanish. And, or don't teach Hazel, though, because you'll, you'll, you'll give it away for me. It's amazing kind of how fast it is. And God would trust us. Listen, God would trust us with other people. There's some of you, when you got home from the hospital, you were like, can you believe? They let us take this baby home. Like, can you, like, they don't know us. Can you believe that they, they just gave us? I never forget the feeling. Brandon and I were like, we got in the car, and you know, they make you put your, your car seat in. Does anybody else have to do this? You had to put your car seat in, and this nurse comes out all unapproving and looking at your car seat, like, oh, you got that at Walmart. That's fine. That's a cheap one, but that'll work. That's okay. You're, you're, that's okay. And you're like, little girl, leave me alone. Get out of here. I'm trying to. And, and then, we, and you know, and you strap your baby in. And, and our first baby, we, we didn't know. And, you know, you're fighting the car seat. You're trying not to cuss. You're trying to be saved. I'm trying to be right, but I don't understand this car seat. And mama can't. She's in the, she's in the, uh, the wheelchair. And, and, we get, and I'll never forget sort of when we get all this done and the nurse walks off with the, with the wheelchair. And I'm sitting in our car and there's a baby back there. And I go, there's a baby back there. <laughs> like... Like, they just gave us this baby, and we're driving home with this baby. Like, does that, does that make sense? Does anybody else feel that way? All the men, did anybody else? I, I'm telling you, it took me a couple of days. Eric, it took me a couple of days to go, I, like, are we going to have to give her back? What, what, what are we doing right now? Every couple of days, I was like, let's give her back. I've, I've, like, I saw the little baby Moses thing, you know, where you can just drop your kid off and nobody knows. Like, I'm serious, though. 
Some of us think, man, what a responsibility. What, how, this is absolutely amazing. But the, the truth is that God gave us these, these, these remarkable human beings that we have just a short amount of time. You don't believe it's a short amount of time. You go look at that marble jar. You start counting down the weeks. You start realizing how quickly it goes by. And so as I got ready for today, I thought, man, I, I got to know what God says about raising kids. And, and there's five or six themes and principles that, that I want to give you. But today, I, I think we're just going to do three of those. And maybe I'll come back in another series and we'll talk about parenting again when my kids are a little bit older. <laughs> and I got a few more weeks and a few more marbles out of the jar to, to kind of, I'm losing all my marbles. That's what's wrong with me. But maybe some of you that got teenagers, you just got a few marbles left in there. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe we'll come back to this. But I want to give you three big principles today. I hope that you're taking notes. Grab your worship guide out and grab a pen. And, and I want you to take good notes today. The, where I want to start is, is, uh, is Proverbs 22 and 6. Here's what the Bible says. It says, to direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Write that down. Proverbs 22 and 6. Direct your children on the right path. Direct your children on the right path. Another translation says, train up a child in the way that he should go. In the way, there's something about direction. Let me, let me give you some wisdom right here. This is not in my notes or it's not on the screen, but I want you to write this down. You will be a happier parent when you understand this is about path. This is about direction more than it is perfection. This is about direction. This is about a path. The Bible says to train up a child in the way or direct your children onto the right path. Let me tell you something, my friends. You and I are going to get this wrong. Jesse and, and Roberta and Kent and, 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 and other families, here, we're going to get this wrong. There are going to be days when we mess this all up, when we're, we're not the parents we're supposed to be. There's going to be a lot of days we lay down in bed and go, I, I know that wasn't right. I just don't know what to do. That's right. I don't know how to do that's right. Your job, my job as a parent is not perfection, but it is to light up the path. It's to put them on the right direction. It's to point the arrow kind of in their lives and go, let's go that direction. The Bible says if you'll train up, if you'll direct your children in the right direction, that there will come a point in their life when they're older. And I know some of you have older kids and you're thinking, man, when's that going to happen? I promise you, I promise you, there will come a point when they need, listen close, when they need true north. There's, there's going to be a point in college or a point in their 30s or a point maybe, maybe older, maybe, maybe when a relationship falls apart or there's a divorce in their life or they get kids. Come on. When they have kids and they go back and they go, this was the way mom and dad pointed us. Let's, let's try to go that direction again. I'm looking for, for how to get that way. And Proverbs 22 says, you can do that. You can train up. You, you, can, you can direct your children that path. So let me give you three quick principles that that I think would be great to direct your children in the right path. Here's the first one. I hope that you're taking notes. Uh, uh, great parents, great families are authentic about their faith. I want you to write that down just like that. Great families, great parents are authentic about their faith. They're authentic about their faith. Now, I chose this word very strategically, authentic about their faith. Here's what Proverbs 14 and 26 says. It says, Those who fear the Lord have a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. I want you to catch this. Those who fear the Lord, you and I, people who follow God, people who are doing their best to live for God with all of their hearts, they have a secure fortress. They have somewhere to go in the time of trouble. The Bible says that He's a strong, His name is a strong tower that I can run into and I find safety there. But listen, the interesting thing is that as a believer, you don't just have a strong tower. The Bible says that your children look at your faith as a refuge. 
In other words, if you'll follow God the best you know how, if you'll give your children authentic faith, the Bible said they will have a safe place at home. Let me, let me go ahead and break it down further than that. If you want a better home life, you have got to lead your spiritual life well. You have got to, you and I have to have, we have to have a relationship with God that's strong, that's authentic, so that we have a secure fortress. And that secure fortress makes our kids so safe. Now, here's the reason I chose the word authentic faith. Because listen, I think it's important that you and I teach our children faith. But I think it's more important, I told you, I think it's more important that you and I model authentic faith. Let me tell you what authentic faith is. Authentic faith is up and down. It's not always the good times. It's not always the I have the answer for everything. Sometimes it's the bad times. I never remember my parents. I, uh, maybe we did, but I, it's not one of my memories that my parents would gather me around the table and we'd all open up the big family Bible and like do, do, this, do this big Bible study together. I never remember that happening, ever. But here's what I do remember. I do remember that every time the church doors were open, it didn't matter if it was a ladies, singles, divorce, recovery group, cleaning the church night on a Thursday night, the Rose family was going to be there early. We were going to all pile up. I don't care how much homework you got. I, we not eating dinner till we go to church. I, I was like, Mama, I don't even know what we're doing here. I don't even know these people. It don't matter. Church is open. We're going to go to church. I remember modeling that in front. It wasn't what was taught in my home. It was how they lived the faith of our home. I remember when I got my allowance and, and mom, <laughs> my mom would tithe for me. She would say, here's your allowance. Now, I took out a dollar for tithing because it's $10 and 10% that belongs to God. I went ahead and tithed for you. I was like, mama, I ain't trying to tithe right now. God, God, I don't even want to be blessed. I want my other dollar. You bless me with $10. Let me get that, okay? We didn't have a choice. You say, well, that's cruel. I tell you how cruel it is. It's so cruel that Brandy and I are still married today, 16 years later. That we're still serving God. That we're raising kids. That we're, that we're serving God with all of our hearts. That we're starting a church. You say, well, uh, how, did, did, was it, no, it wasn't about what was taught. It was about what was modeled in front of us. We served like crazy. Our families, Brandy's family, we served like crazy. We would, we would serve in places we didn't even want to be. It didn't matter. My, my parents just, my, today, you know where my folks are today? They're in church. That's just where, I know where they're at today. That's what we do on Sundays. I know they were there early. I know they were serving. I know they were tithing. I know they were giving. It wasn't because they had all the spiritual answers. Let me, let me give you this bit of information. Listen, if you wait till you have all the spiritual answers, you will never lead your kids well. You don't have to have all the spiritual answers, but you and I have to live an authentic faith in front of our kids. We have to let them in when, when God answers a prayer for us. Come on. you got to get your kids around. I tell you, every single night, last night, I told you how we pray in our house and how Henry only knows the last word to all the prayers. So uh, every time we just say, uh, Dear Jesus, and he says, Jesus, and forgive me of all my sin, and he says, Sin. It's just whatever the last word is of all, except for Amen. He screams Amen. He's Pentecostal to his core. He just screams it out, out loud uh, when we get done with the prayer. But it, every single night, we pray for City Hills. We did it last night. We did. My, my little girl, she prays for it by herself. And she, she, <laughs> she prays. She says, God, I hope that you will. God, I hope that you will give me a birthday cake soon, and I hope that all my friends will come to my birthday party, and I hope that you will bless City Hills. In Jesus' name, amen. E e listen, 
Here's the reason why I, we don't teach it. I don't, I don't get it all right, but we model that church. This is what we do here. This is what our family is all about here. It's about living our faith. It's about celebrating the wins. We celebrate when God answers a prayer. When God gave us this building, we brought our kids here and we celebrated that. We teach our kids, hey, God answered a prayer for us. God made a way for us. But listen. There's other times when we don't know how God's going to answer. And if you're going to raise kids with authentic faith, you're going to have to bring them into those times as well. And here's the rub with, with, some, with some parents, is that you feel like I can only lead my, my, my kids spiritually in the good times if I have all the answers, if everything makes sense, if everything's right, and that couldn't be furthest from the truth. There are going to be some times when we sit down with our kids, already has been, and we say, I don't know why God didn't answer like I thought He would but we still trust God. I don't know why God didn't heal like we thought He would, but we still trust God. That's the authentic faith that I want you to give your kids. Listen, I, I want you to be able to go to them and say, listen, I, there's sometimes we don't understand what it looks like. We don't know how this is all going to work out, but this is what God's called us to do. He's called us to model this in our homes. That's why Deuteronomy 6 and 6 says that, uh, that these commandments I give you today to put on your heart. Listen, he said, impress these on your kids. He did not say teach them. He said impress them. You know how somebody impresses something on you? They live it in front of you. That's why, listen, I'm just going to hit you right between the eyes, especially if you're listening to the podcast because you're not here today. <laughs> listen close. Don't bring your kids to church and drop them off. Show them what it's like to go to church together as a family. There's a difference between dropping, I, my kids go to church and we go to church together. He said, impress on them. Bring them into the whole process. Impress on them and talk about the commandments of the Lord when you sit at home. You say, we're just sitting around the house. We're just, nothing's going on. He said, I want you to talk about God during those moments. I want you to lean into the stuff you don't understand. I want you to live that authentic faith and say, hey, baby, here's what mom and dad are praying about. Will you help us pray? about that. Here's what we'd like God to do. Or, or, or when they ask you a question, say, I don't know why that is, but God's going to make a way. Now, I, I, I'm letting you in a little bit to my life that I probably shouldn't, but I'm a political junkie. And while I don't talk about it in the pulpit, and our church will never be uh, you know, isolated. Come on, God's not Republican or Democrat or white or black. Somebody say amen. Yeah, so we're never going to do that sort of stuff here. But I, I'm just a political junkie. I just like it. It's, I, don't, I don't really like sports all that much. Although, uh, OU Cowboy fans, an apology, 10 and 1. Come on. Okay. I'm still a hoot at. I'm still all about them saints. But so, so, so news is kind of my thing. So I'm bad about, I, I do this, I'm bad about leaving the news on at night or maybe you know in the morning the kids walk in and it's not good and I'm trying to get better and Brandy tells me you got to get better. They can't walk in and see that. But during the whole election, you know, things were, and, and, and Hazel would, she, you know, she would know the two candidates and she would ask about them. And she would literally come to us and go, well, what, what's going to happen with? And, and, in her, and here's what we did. We said, we don't know. This was a great opportunity for us to model that we didn't cuss out whichever candidate we didn't like on TV. We didn't talk bad about whichever candidate we did. I'm preaching good to somebody right now. We didn't, do, we didn't model that in front of them. You know why? Because my little girl's learning how to respect authority. I'm modeling authentic faith. 
We prayed for God's will to be done. We prayed for our nation. We prayed for our president, whoever that was going to be. We pray for our current president. We pray for their families. Come on, somebody. We model that in front of them. It's authentic. It's up and down. It's, it's, it's in the good times and the bad times. You don't have to have everything figured out. You just want to, you want to show them that you're following Jesus personally. And sometimes that's messy. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes God works a miracle. And sometimes He doesn't. And we're going to be authentic about our faith. You got that? Say amen. Here's the second thing. I want you to write this down. Great families identify and nurture uniqueness in their kids. Great families and great parents identify and nurture uniqueness inside of their babies. Proverbs 4 and 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter, Till the full light of day. I want you to catch that. Let me read it again. The path of the righteous. So here we go again. We're talking about direction. We're talking about a path. It's like the morning sun. And it shines ever brighter until the full light of day. How many of you, your bedroom window faces the rising sun? Would you raise your hand if you're miserable every morning? Yeah, you hate it. Brother Danny, you probably not. Danny, you probably love it. You're probably up early anyway. But I, we, we lived in a house uh, at Avings time with everything. We moved here that our bedroom was facing the east. And I hated daylight savings time with everything within me. I wanted to be that ghetto family that put aluminum foil in the windows. Does anybody know what I'm... Y'all don't... Y'all don't know about ghetto like I'm hood like that. I was like, we got, I can't sleep. And what would happen is the sun would rise. <laughs> y'all, y'all hood, some of y'all hood like that right now. This <laughs> some of y'all are like, is that hood? I don't, I didn't know that was wrong. It ain't wrong. You got you to block the light out. Because the sun would, my little son's this way, my, my, my baby Henry's this way. If there's any light in the room at all, he just wakes up. I do that right now. If there's a light in the room, I'm going to wake up. And the sun would peep around the curtains, and it would be just this little sliver. You know what I'm talking about? And I would curse the light. I would say, go away, sun. I would beg for cloudy days. And the, and the longer that you know, the sun would rise, it would get brighter over, and, and more of the room would be revealed, and your eyes would be all mad. You'd just be mad about it. Here's what the Bible says that you're, the, the path of the righteous is like. It's like that rising sun that the longer it's up, the more is revealed. Listen, the same is true with the personalities of our kids. That the longer that they live, the more of them is revealed. Then in the very beginning, there's this little sliver of light that you see and you're like, ah, man, that's, look, look how that... But the longer that they live, the more is revealed out of their personality and who they are. And when I talk to older families and older parents, here's the one thing they always say. It always goes too fast. The sun always rises too fast. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, let me just be honest. Here's what we'll do. We will try to light the path that we would prefer our kids go on instead of allowing their personalities, instead of allowing God to sort of light up what it is that they're supposed to be. Let me just be real honest with you. There's some people in this room who are doing your best to relive your childhood through your kids. And if we're not careful, all of us can fall into this trap because we're bitter about how we were raised. Or we're bitter about the things we didn't get to do or the life that we never got to live. Or I, 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 could, have been, I could have been in the NBA if I was a little bit taller. If I, I wish I was a baller. I, I, wish, I wish I was a little... And so here's what we do. We go, well, if I couldn't do it, I want you to do it. I want our kids to do it. And then you push your kids and everybody's looking around going, you know your son can't play basketball. <laughs> You're like, don't... No, 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 no. he's an NBA star. 
He's going to do it. I have a friend right now who literally, that they push their son so far in, into football, and he's not good. He's not, he's not going to listen to this podcast. He's not good. He's not good at it. But because of his childhood wasn't what he thought it should be, I'm going to push my kids in that direction. And here's the danger of that. When you light their path, you, you squash what it is that God may would be calling them to do. Our job is not to light up the whole path in front of them. Our job is to let the sun be revealed slowly and surely and see what God would have for their lives. And the longer that it develops, you go, okay, that's what God's called. Now listen, that doesn't mean you don't have to. Let me, let me give you some freedom, parents. You don't have to afford your kid every opportunity that your school offers. Let me give you that freedom, okay? If anybody asks you, you tell them, your preacher said, we ain't got to do all this. Listen, nobody says you have to play every sport. Go to every dance. Go to every ballet, gymnastics, cheer, whatever the thing, whatever your girls or boys, I don't want to exclude. Whatever the thing is, a chess championship, whatever the thing. Nobody says they have to do it. Now listen, there's some of your babies that that's what they want to do and that's their calling and there's nothing wrong with that. Here's all I'm, I'm warning you to do. Do not try to make them be what you were or what you weren't. Let's let them be what God called them to be. Let's let the sun rise over them. Let's let them develop into what God... Because here's what I know. I, I know that kids that are uniquely qualified to do something spectacular. At, at the heart of all of that, it's not wanting what's best for them. It's usually wanting what's best for me. Right? It's really not trying to nurture what their uniqueness. It's really trying to make sure that I have what it is I want. I want a star football player. I want Henry to go to an SEC school. Come on, SEC. I want you to go to an SEC school, son. Don't waste your life in the Big Ten. Don't do this with your life. God, I want this for... It's not about him. It's about me. Great families. They don't do that. They nurture the uniqueness that God has given their kids. They say, whatever God's called you to do, I want you to live in this soul satisfaction. I want you to sort of have this thing. I don't know what my kids will end up doing or being, but here's what I know, that God has uniquely designed them to do something remarkable and change the world, and I want them to discover that. Is, is that okay? Everybody say amen to that. Here's the third thing. Thank you. My wife's clapping to hurry up. Here's the third thing if you're taking notes. Great families create a family identity and culture. Great families create a family identity and culture. You know these kind of families. When you were growing up, you were like, man, I wish I was in that family. That's the cool family. I told you about that. Their dad lets them, you know, do anything. They eat hostess cupcakes for dinner. They, their dad has a full sleeve tattoos. You never let me get a tattoo. I won't. I hate this family. Why couldn't I be raised down there? Great families. They have so much fun. You look down there. You look down. You go, man, they do cool stuff. They have family traditions. They have family stuff that's unique to them. It's, it's, it, listen, Listen, back in the, in the 90s, there was this term that, that we used to sort of talk about. It was a caricature of a mom who would you know, drive a minivan kind of from, from, from dance recital to football to this practice and this practice. And we called them soccer moms. You remember this? And, it was, and, and now we have soccer dads. You know, nothing wrong with that. I ain't judging. I'm just saying. That, and we would drive them all the way around. And it was all about you know, just kind of whatever it is they were doing. And there was never any time for families there was never any time for what your family let me let me let me reiterate this and tell you one more time parents it is not your job it's not our job to give our kids every single experience in life that's not what our job is our job is to create space in our world and to create space in their world for us to grow together as a family it's going to be okay if they miss that one more sport this 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 go around it's going to be okay it's go, it's going to be all right 
You, you don't know what it is they're going to develop into. And, and if, if you're always running into all of those things, sometimes you miss the opportunity to create a family and a culture and an identity that's all you know. The best families I know, they're not just creating individuals that do things. Listen, they're creating individuals who have family, who know who they are, who know that they're valued, who know that they're loved. They're, they're not just running from this thing to that thing. They're not just going from this experience to that experience. It's not our job to take them on every vacation everybody else does. It's not our job to buy them. I'm preaching so good today. It's not our job to buy them every technology. Listen, parents, let me tell you, while your kids are in kids' ministry, listen, you don't have to buy them everything on their Christmas list. It's not our job to provide everything they want. It's our job to create space in our world. To build a family that honors God. Here's here's one thing that I know that great families do. They create this own culture and identity. They kind of have their own thing. And and, and they have silly rituals and silly things that they do. Here's one of my favorite passages. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I meet older people. I meet people who are married. I meet people in their 30s and 40s and 50s all the time. Who, because their families pushed them to everything else, every extracurricular, every, even school, it was all, it was, you know, you got to go to college, you got to get a master's degree, you got to get a PhD, you got to just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing, keep going, keep going, keep buying, keep filling up with stuff that you've crushed their spirit in their 30s and 40s and 50 years old and they're dry. And you look around and you go, man, why is your marriage suffering? Let me tell you why. There's no love, there's dryness in your bones because of a crushed spirit. It's because there was no happiness, no laughter. The Bible says that a cheerful heart or laughter is like a good medicine. Our musicians are coming. We're going to wrap up here in just a moment. But uh, this is probably my favorite thing that we do. We, we, we try to navigate this in our family and kind of cultivate this inside of our inside of our, our family. We, we want a culture and identity that's just ours. And y'all wouldn't understand it if y'all came to my house. I promise you that. One of the things that we do, I told you we have a two-year-old little, little boy and a and an almost five-year-old little girl, and we have weekly, sometimes a few times a week, dance parties. Anybody like to dance? Come on. I, let me tell you, I am never more white than when I am in the middle of a dance party. I am, I am, I am lily white in the middle of our dance parties. I'm being honest. All my Latino brothers and sisters, y'all, I, I just, Brandy's the dancer in our family. Brandy's, I'm like, girl, go, 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 hey, girl. And she, she'll, she'll kind of tame it down for us. And my kids, my kids both have tons of rhythm. They just don't know what to do with it because they're white. They don't know what to do. They just, they got all this rhythm and it just kind of comes out of them just everywhere. Just, and Henry, he doesn't know what's going on. He'll bounce off the way. He'll jump off of stuff. Hazel, she moving. I'm like, you got to stop. Don't do what your mom is doing. Don't do that right now. I don't, well, I don't know what we're doing. And we'll dance. And sometimes we'll do this. Uh, yeah, ask Brandon. We'll dance for hours sometimes. We have this little speaker in our, in our house, you know, and she'll put on something. We, 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 have this, we have this African tribal dance music. I don't even know what it is. When it comes on, Henry literally loses his mind. He just pulls his hair out and goes, ah! And, just, and we dance and we laugh. And there's a couple of things I'm thankful for. The first thing I'm thankful for is that uh, nobody has bought the house behind us. Because if you saw in our house during dance party, you would call somebody about me. And you would not visit City Hills because we get down. I'm telling you, we get down. And we, la- we literally dance till we laugh ourselves silly. We'll just fall over on the couch. 
And there are times when I think, man, I wish, I wish we would do, I wish Hazel was in ballet more. I wish our schedule would allow us to do other things. And I wish, you know, I wish, but here's what I wanted. I want to create an identity. I want to create a culture that my kids know their childhood was full of laughter and full of fun. And some of us are so worried about what's next and, and, and what the schedule says and where we have to be and what we have to go by and working extra hours this Christmas. That you miss out on the best stuff in life. Creating a, a culture where you laugh and you have fun. I don't know what your thing is, but if you don't dance, I'd try that. I'd start there and then I'd do something else that was just your thing. But great families have their own identity. It's their own silly rituals. It's stuff that just they do. That Languages that just they understand. How many of you have your own language that only your kids know? Yeah, just, we have our own language. We're not talking in tongues. It's just funny. It's just, we just don't, we, it's just our own language. Nobody, y'all wouldn't understand it because it's our culture. And it's our identity. It's something special to us. Parents, I, I got to tell you, we got to slow down from all the other stuff in this world. Right here in the middle of the holiday season, let me tell you, I know I told you I like the hustle and bustle. I know I like to go. But let's just be honest. There's, it's okay if, 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 it's, if they don't have everything. It's okay if they don't go to everything. You, you don't owe them every, every experience that life could offer. But you do owe them space. You owe them authentic faith. You owe, the, you owe them an experience with God that's real and raw, full of grace, full of truth full of passion you owe them to, to bring them to God's house every time you, you say why well, just because it's your deal let me tell you why because this is the foundation I'm telling you I, I told you this before but when, when we had babies Brandy and I we, when we left the hospital when, when I finally realized they'd let us leave with the babies the first place we went we didn't go we didn't go home we didn't go we left the hospital we left St. David's North Women's Medical Center with both babies and we drove straight to the church. And we got out at our church. We unlocked the doors. Nobody was there. And we unlocked the sanctuary. And we walked straight to the front. And for an hour or so, I held both of my babies and walked them all around our church. And I told my babies, this is the safest place. I want you to feel more at home here than you do at my home. I, I want you to know this place is home to us. It, it's, it's, I don't understand everything that happens. This is the safest place. And, and, and so help me, God, for the last five years. And so help me, God, for the next 20 years. We're going to keep living out this messy, grace-filled, authentic faith. And, and then the second thing that you owe your kids, you, you, you owe your kids, you and I, all of us, owe our kids some laughter, some happiness. We owe them culture and an identity that's that's just ours. They don't have to look like other families. They don't have to be what other families do. This is what we do. This is what we do. We, we, we go to Denny's on, on, on Thanksgiving. That's what we do. I don't care what other families do. Our thing is this. We eat Whataburger on Christmas night. That's what we do. It's our thing. Don't worry about what other people do. You say, that's crazy. It's crazy till they're out of your house and they look back and go, man, I know it was just Whataburger, but this meant the world to me. We did our thing. Oh, we owe our kids that kind of experience. We owe them an identity and a culture. And we owe them the opportunity to grow into what God's called them to be. We owe them a chance to, to find what God's called them to do and do that thing with all their heart. They don't have to be what I am. 
I'd love one day for my daughter or my son to stand on a stage like this and preach the gospel, but they don't have to. They don't have to. I want them to do what God's called them to do. I do, I do want them to be in God's house somewhere serving like crazy, showing up early, setting up pipe and drape, tearing. Hopefully by that time we'll have a church building. I, 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 want, them, I want them to serve like crazy, but, but they can do whatever. I, I just want them to find what it is. I want to nurture that sun rising in their life. I don't have all the answers, but I do know this, that if we'll point them in the right direction, come on, if, if, if we'll put them on the right path, that our kids will have a chance that when they're older, They'll know how to find home. Here's what I want to do to end. If you're a parent in the room today, I want you to stand. If you're a single mom or, or a single dad or if you're here with your spouse or your spouse is not here with us, I want all the parents in the room to stand. All the parents in the room to stand. If you've got older kids, if you've got younger kids, your kids are grown out of the house, all the parents. Man. Now here's, what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a, a couple that's kind of sitting beside you or a single mom or somebody beside you and Maybe get kind of close to them. If you know them, you want to put your arm around them or take them by the hand. Or <clears throat> if you're seated still, I want, you to, I want you to stand up and I want you to kind of put your hand on somebody close to you, a parent close to you. Come on. Moms, take, take another mom by the hand. Or dads, put your, put your hand around the shoulder of a dad. Or if you're not a parent and you're, you're still seated, I want you to grab somebody. And I want to pray for parents. This is a hard job. This is the hardest thing we could possibly do. And we got to get it right. We got to get it right. Come on, we got to raise kids that that change the world. We got to raise kids that do more than we ever could have imagined. We got to. Ra- I'm, I'm raising world changers right now. So with your hands with somebody, I just want you to pray out loud. Let me pray for you, Father. I pray for every parent in the room. I pray for moms and dads, single moms, single dads, husbands and wives who are holding somebody else's hand. God, this is the hardest thing I could possibly imagine. But God, this is a remarkable calling. Father, I pray for moms who deal with the guilt of, am I going to be able to be enough? And I pray for moms who didn't have a good example of a mom. God, I pray that you'll give them the grace to do the right thing the right way. Father, I pray for families who who come from brokenness, who their parents are divorced and they don't know how to they don't know how to even navigate going forward. I pray you would give them supernatural strength. God, I pray you'd talk to their hearts, teach them the ways that they don't even know they never saw modeled that they'll know how to raise their kids. I pray for dads, God, that are struggling to provide enough. Is it enough? Is this house big enough? Is this car nice enough? Are we going to have enough for college? God, I pray you'll just give them the strength to know that it's enough that they don't have to provide everything and every opportunity but they just have to make space I pray for warmth and uniqueness I pray that you'll give me the opportunity to see you develop my kids God not what I want them to be or I call them to be but what you've called them to be What you, God help me to nurture help me to sort of recognize that uniqueness that they have God help our families every parent who's touching another parent I pray help them to develop a culture of uniqueness that's unique to their family something that's, that's just them that's just us it's full of laughter it's full of fun it's full of happy God I pray for childhoods that that are full of laughter they don't have to have all the best things all the new technology all the latest stuff but we're engaging with our kids we're engaging with our families we're creating space in our families Father I pray for families in the room who are struggling in this season did I do it the right way I pray for parents of grown kids who are out of the house God I know that that's got to be a tough looking back it's always easier to look back and say what if I would have done but I pray you'll give them strength, God, as they lead their adult children. I 
pray as they lead their grandchildren. Give them the strength to do it right from the day forward. God, I pray for every family, every parent in the room, for grace and strength. Fix our families. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.